0: encouraged not burdened by the history that they create they know what is expected of them they
1: are manchester united welcome and listeners to another episode of the fergie fledglings podcast i'm your host colin dams Joined by Polly Questel and the Richmond Kickers, um, as it says on his Zoom. I can't get
0: it to change. I signed up for my Zoom account through work, obviously, uh, during the pandemic when we were doing uh, all press conferences remotely. Um, and yeah, so I guess I guess that is my name.
1: I think I have my Zoom window smaller than usual, so the names are like sticking out more. Because I'm sure it's I mean it's always been like that, and I just haven't mm-hmm. noticed. But yeah, Nathan Heinschel is with us. Uh we are sitting here a day after Manchester United's opening match over Wolverhampton Wanderers, a 1-0 win, which uh I described in the match report as cagey, which I'm not sure is uh that's a word a word that really does it justice. That's that, that um,
2: that's not a word that does that describes this match either.
1: <laughs> I mean uh in the sense that neither I team... would say a
2: cagey match... I would say a cagey match is one where both teams are, like, afraid to go forward, afraid to take risks.
1: Not uh, in- unable very calculated. to
2: go <laughs> uh, um, And this was, like, every time you had the chance to go forward, everybody did barrel forward.
1: <laughs> yeah, but they were not good at it.
2: No. Well, that... Yeah, well... That's that's a whole other thing yeah. but like you knew Wolves wouldn't be good at it. They're not good.
1: And somehow they looked better at it, at least for the first half uh, than or I guess the first part of the second half. Oh, well, the first half kind of, too. They did have that one chance. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, who, who who of you wants to go first in in picking at the meat of this game, if we can call it that.
2: I'll let Nathan uh, go first.
0: Yeah, I mean. So obviously, probably uh, like like many, I, I had a pretty tepid response to to yesterday's game. Um, I want to give a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, simply because it is the first game of the season, and if we compare it to last year' first game of the season, like at the end of the day, we did get three points. So it's plus, like playing playing against Wolves is awful. Um, it's I always think... it's always not fun to watch.
1: Yeah
2: but I a completely different Wolves team though. Most of those players are gone. Totally new coach. That shouldn't be an excuse.
0: Correct. Um, and yeah, I, I think where, <laughs> where my, some of the air got let out of my balloon was obviously like, as we said on the podcast, we were there for the summer tour. Uh, we were all there for probably what was the best game of the summer tour. Uh, the two, no win against Arsenal where there was a little bit of, swagger to the team and they were attacking and they were playing against a team that nobody likes. Um, So it was all very exciting. And I was kind of hoping that would just translate right into the first game. Um, But instead what you saw were a lot of the issues that we kind of already knew existed going into the summer. Um, When you've got a front three of uh, Garnacho, Rashford, and Anthony, you've got three guys who just want to dribble at people to varying degrees of success. Um, and, of course, if you watch um, today's – it was released today, uh, the TIFO football video of why was Manchester United so bad, uh, I think is what it was called. Um, you know, the blueprints out there for th- those guys as well, like, w- Wolves only have to defend one, one side of the right wing when Anthony has the ball, especially when overlapping is not happening. Um, on the left side, you've got Garnacho, who is still very young, still very raw, still figuring – Probably his craft out, and again, you there was like kind of a mi- mismatch a little bit on on some of the overlapping as well. So you've got unsupported wingers; they weren't getting the ball forward very well. Um, and wolves were doing a really good job of when United were trying to play with the ball, pressing them and getting them into you know unfavorable positions. They wanted like Juan Basaka to have the ball. They wanted. Rafael Verand to sit there on the ball, um, Lisandro Martinez to sit on the ball. Um, so, I think I think it's a place to build from. I think I mean at the end of the day they did get they did get the win, which is important. Um, and maybe this was a, I, I think everybody can just sit here and hope that this was just like, hey guys, season started, and you know that doesn't repeat itself going into the next week at Tottenham.
1: Yeah, I think I mean your point about the. It, it seemed like they got what they wanted with how much the defenders were on the ball. Um, you know, wan and Varan obviously were the, the ones who ended up creating and then scoring the goal in Varan's case. But I think it was a case uh, for most of the match, at least, of the midfield not really like working in sync. All right? Casemiro was giving the ball away uh, in a similar fashion to the worrying parts of Casemiro's game last season, uh, not to mention, you know, other worrying parts of Casemiro's performance. Uh, and then Mason Mountain and Bruno Fernandez never really seemed in sync with each other. It seemed like when one of them did get on the ball, there was just a case of like their their feet were bricks. Uh, both of them lost the ball r- really poorly when under pressure. And because of that, there's just this like chasm in the middle of Manchester United's formation. Um, they eventually did hold down possession in the second half for spells of, you know, three to five minutes uh, at one point, they held it for like 10 minutes. I think that's what led to the goal was that extended period of possession, but it, it just wasn't, um, it just wasn't potent possession, if that makes sense.
0: Well, and it based on what me... you're saying too, I mean, think think back to like one of the scariest moments of that game. Uh, thank God Harry Maguire wasn't on the field because he would have been scapegoated for it. But there was that. Um, Lescano Martinez is already on a yellow card, and he's in a situation where he's like, "Oh shit, I've got to like,
2: I got to let, let this card. guy go by me."
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a this will be a red card if I touch this guy. Because he is so far going to beat me, um, and so he has to let him go, and then it's a foot race, and you're just thinking like, we. I mean that that is one of those things you you cannot let happen because um, we saw it. Ron actually bit.
2: played that whole situation really well.
1: Yeah, I think. I think. One
2: of I, his one of his better defensive moments of the game.
1: Yeah. And he, there were some, uh, other recovery moments. He did really well. I think Victor Lindelof had a good second half. Uh, obviously Andre Anano was forced to save United towards the end. And, you know, that penalty discussion is a whole other thing, but, um, I, I don't know. Promising performances at the back, at least in some really scary moments.
2: I completely disagree with that, uh, but we'll get there. Uh, this game made me think of two different things of two different games. Um, Actually, both of them were in the second game of the season. Uh, Southampton away two seasons ago, right, the, right before we signed Cristiano Ronaldo. 1-1 draw. And the 4-0 loss to Brentford last season. In that, that loss was like, yeah, the player, like, there have been some catastrophic mistakes here and bad performances, etc., but also like, are you putting your players in the position to succeed? Like we constantly saw McGuire sh- turn the ball over and struggle, but it was also like right back. Diogo Dallo is all the way up high up the field every single time, because clearly that's where he was instructed to stand. And it was like, well, you see McGuire is struggling with this as the coach. Why didn't you make any changes and adapt to that? Um, similar scenario here was, are we putting our players in a position to succeed? And why aren't we adapting to this? It looked like, but let's let's remember this. Wolves hired their coach about four days before the game. And it looked like he knew exactly how United were gonna play. The thing about like Pep and Klopp and all these great managers is year on year, 80-85% of it is, is the same. But there's always some new wrinkles and some new variations. Like Pep's really good at just getting out in front of everything. This looked like 100 the same. And Tenog said as much over the summer. He said we're gonna look we're looking to do what we did last year, but better. And then it was exactly the same. And it looked like Wolves hired a coach on Wednesday, and he just went, "How are United going to play? Well, let's watch how they played last year." This is how we can expect them to play. Here's how we're going to beat it or here's how we're not going to let them beat us. And it was I'm just going to I'm just going to have somebody on Marcus Rashford the entire we're not going to give Marcus Rashford space to get behind us and boom, he's out of the game now. The the way they defended United in, in when United tried to build up was very similar to Southampton 2 years ago. When uh, United had just won 5 1 against Leeds, they had Matic and Fred in the middle of the park, and Pogba and Bruno higher up the pitch. And Southampton just sat on, they just sat off the, they sat off Maguire and Lindelof and basically took away those passes to Matic and Fred and just said, We'll let your defenders have the ball. um, And we're just not going to let you get it to Bruno and Pogba. We're going to sit here and block these passes. And that was exactly what they did until, and they forced it out wide. And then once you get it out wide, they, there was the only way to go was straight up the line. So two years ago, it was straight up the line to, um, like Marcial Pogbo was out there or it was, mo- they, they mostly funneled it to the right side two years ago. So it was Juan Basaka giving it to Greenwood, who now is back to goal and he has nowhere to go, but straight back. And same scenario here. So you're going up the line to Garnacho or Anthony, whose backs are to goal. It's hard for them to turn and there's nowhere to go.
1: It's also two, two wingers. Who's uh, uh, Garnacho is the one who got the ball. It seemed more in the first 20 minutes, but it's like what they do is they just run forward. Like they just charge. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what else Garnacho is adding to his game at this point because we haven't really had the chance to see it. I don't know if we haven't had the chance to see it but we just haven't seen it
2: and the the amount of times that the positions United took up whether it, if it was four players three wolves players were able to take those four players out or if it was if it was three United players two wolves players were able to take them out and constantly wolves were able to get these numerical advantages when they had a numerical disadvantage, which gave them extra men in other places. And that allowed them to pressure United further up the field while also not playing a high line at all, so there was no room to get to get in behind. It was, you know, they looked at it like, oh, United put their creative players in the middle of the park, like Rashford's in the middle, Bruno's in the middle, Mount's in the middle, uh, Anthony and Garnacho want to go to the middle. The middle's where they want to go. Wolves played with an extremely narrow back four. So they left all this space on the wings. And instead of taking that Garnaccio and Anthony just kept trying to go towards the middle. Like at one point, Anthony went, went right. And like his his cross got blocked, but like he easily beat his man when he went to his right. At one point, Garnaccio got the ball and like, there was so much space down the wing and he just cut back inside. And the, and the right back was just like, right. Thank you. And like, just took the ball right off of him because it was like, I know you're going to do that. And at the back, you know, you have shock tucking into midfield and pushing up. But like now he's in a vertical line straight in front of Lissandra Martinez. So your two best ball players from your back line are in a line now with working with the same angle where one guy is cutting off the passing lane to the other. It essentially takes them both out. And you're just like, why is this the way that we should be using our players? Is this getting the best out of our players? it was, It was very questionable in that regard because it seemed so – like Wolves were so prepared to just stop this. Like it didn't – the difference between – like when you say, oh, Wolves, United, Wolves, never fun. It was always like Wolves just – in previous years, it was just United had the ball and Wolves just shut down everything. And United kept attacking and United shut down everything. And this time it it was more like Wolves being like, go ahead – and United were just bad and couldn't do anything. And then Wolves got the ball, and Casemiro was a step slow every night. Everybody else was kind of disjointed. Like United's press was very good. They won the ball back six, they won the ball high up pitch 16 times, which is an amazing number. They turned that into three shots. That's a horrific number, horrific proportion there. And when they didn't win the ball back, it went the other way real quick. And the amount of times that wolves just walked right through United was an astonishing amount.
1: Yeah. Some of the a big difference from those previous uh Wolves terror ball games is the possession obviously was you know vastly in United's favor, and they just couldn't hold on to the ball yesterday. It was pretty much 50-50 possession. Um Wolves obviously and the second created, half was all wolves. Yeah. Except for that one period where um I think United did end up scoring, but that was after like 20 minutes of being able to do absolutely nothing against Wolves' midfield. Um, and I, I think there was a little bit of uh, maybe just a sense of get your shit together uh, after one of the attempts that Onana had to save um, where United were able to hold the, the ball up. But other than that, it was, uh, they were, I mean, they were holding on after the goal as and well. Wolf, they didn't I mean, really like, the look like was they was... would make it 2-0 other than that one uh, Jaden Sancho run.
2: Every time United made a play, like when Wolves got forward and then United made a play and it was like, and Bruno got the ball and it was an outlet pass to Garnacho to Anthony, to someone. And it was like, oh, beautiful. Counterattacks on. You'd look up. Wolves had four men back. They never sent their fullbacks forward. Like they were prepared for everything. So they were doing this with just that front six and still they 44 touches in the attacking box. That's the third most... United have conceded in the Ten Hog era to Wolves. A team that we all think is gonna get relegated at home. Like that's that's a problem. And like, yeah, it's like you want to focus uh, there, there were some positives to take away, like three points, and we did make mistakes at the back, as we said that we would. And those mistakes did not end up in the back of our net. Those are your positives. Like it's the first game of the season, but this is the same thing that we saw last year. And they're supposed to be better at it. And we 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 know that Rashford wasn't going to be effective in this game as a striker. It's He's he's not effective as a striker or a left winger when there isn't space to get him behind, and he can become invisible. And it's kind of fine the way that Ten Hag uses his striker is sort of like the striker's supposed to touch the ball the least, etc. It's like in between Aguero and Holland. Pep was like, I don't have this bonafide scorer. So I need all 11 guys to be as threatening and involved in everything. And like, that was kind of where it looked like the game was going. And then Pep just brought in Holland. He was like, yeah, I don't need you involved. Uh, It's just when you get the ball, you're going to score goals. We got 10 other guys that can do this. And like Holland on Friday had like two goals on his first eight touches. It was like, you know, it's just the guys of freaking nature. He gets a million shots. He gets a million goals. He doesn't touch the ball. 10 kind of the same. Like, the striker just doesn't get that involved. And it's like, fine, we just need you in the box, score goals, around, facilitate play. But, like, you know, be efficient with your touches. So you're, you're kind of playing with 10 guys also. But then you look at, like, Mason Mount can't get on the ball. And is that a Mason Mount thing? And you're like, well, he used Scott McTominay in the same way last year. And Marcel so Sabitzer in the same way, like they didn't get on the ball. He used Donny de bake in that role at Ajax. Like he didn't get on the ball a lot. And it's like, that seems to be like, you seem to to play with this role where there is a midfielder who's out there, does a lot of defensive things, doesn't get on the ball particularly a lot. And suddenly it's like, well, now you're trying to build up and play with nine guys. And that could be problematic. Yeah. What a response! <laughs> hey, Nathan's I, I think dying.
0: Parking back to our season preview pod too. Or like, what is an improvement for United? Not just in top four and a trophy. It was like, let's look at some of the underlying stats that concerned us, and what are some things that we can improve? Um, Twenty-three shots given up to Wolves. Uh, United's fifteen with six shots on target. To United's three. Is not how this team is going to improve. Like, I mean, even just from a baseline, just it looks bad. But two, you, I mean, when you look at that over the course of the season, if you continue to give up shots, you're giving up potential chances to concede goals. And for, you know, we had all these moments last year where sure De Gea got the golden glove, but. They were giving up shots, which is not something that you want to do because over time it's the going teams to be missing up to you.
2: a lot. Teams missed a lot last year. And
0: yeah, and I that was
2: like, Andre Onana made the saves that Andre Onana made were saves you expect a goalkeeper yeah, to make. There we was were nothing very lucky really spectacular the in there. They, it's night. like you can see the 23 shots against a bad Wolves team. And the reason that it was. It ended one nil is because well yeah you don't ex- like wolves are bad you don't expect them to finish all those chances but a, you can see twenty three shots to city better team, it's going to be six a better team six than this again. yeah it, you can see twenty three shots to city you're conceding eleven or twelve goals city won't even yeah. take twenty three shots because they'll just be passing the ball around that that much but uh, you could you face a better team a slightly better team than this who just stays organized like they'll. They'll do the exact same thing as Wolves pick you apart on the break and they'll finish their chances.
1: Like, yeah. I mean, this is <laughs> uh, as good as Wolves were and the commentators were right in, you know, praising them. There's still a team that doesn't really know how to score goals. I mean, they, they were awful at scoring goals last year. Um, and th- there were crosses where Pedro Neto would, you know, I think he pressed Shaw one time, uh, won the ball in space and then had nobody to cross to. Um, there were a lot of dangerous situations they could have taken more advantage of uh where they just didn't and they were created because United was sloppy. Um if they do that against Tottenham, uh I'm a I'm a little more worried than against Wolves. Even though Tottenham uh, no longer have Harry King.
2: You do that against Tottenham, it's still uh it you're gonna be in a lot of trouble. Like I've th- this Tottenham game has now become much dicier. Uh, again, look, you do this against 14 other teams, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Like, it was so easy for Wolves. And it wasn't, this wasn't a case of like Wolves came in and stamped their authority on the match and took the match to United. And, and this was just a case of United were not good. And Wolves weren't forcing them into mistakes. It was just, we're making them. And, Wolves. At one point, at one point, very early on in the game, someone just ran by Casemiro, just ran by him, and it was just that can't happen. And and when you run by Casimiro, there's nobody there. Um, I there was at one point, um. They they brought it out from the touchline, and they they were they should have been in trouble, and they weren't. They just brought it out from the touchline and cunha is that was that the striker's name?
1: Yeah, Mateus Cunha.
2: Yeah. Cunha like kind of dropped into dropped deep to show for a pass, and they made the pass to him. It got through very easily. Rafael Veron stepped up and followed him into midfield because there was nobody else there. And Cunha with this first touch passed it out wide and then just made a run straight and just ran right by Veron and Martinez. And they played the ball into him and he got a shot that he just, just narrowly missed. And it was like Rafael Veron should not be allowing a player to just run by him like that. Um, Lissandro Martinez had to come off at halftime, which because he should have been sent. He you know, he dodged, he he basically said he, he jumped out of the way on that play that Nathan was talking about because he went in for the most reckless, dumbest challenge, 13 minutes it's in the like, game. Oh, right. That got him booked.
0: <laughs> Wait I a second, I this. can't do this. <laughs>
1: He really wanted to it, it, look. Uh, that short fuse tweet, uh, it, I mean, it's not wrong, but, but you know, we love him for it. That's why right. it's just,
2: it's just why there's so many Arsenal fans that like, look, the club, <laughs> the
1: club of Martin Keown and Jens Lehman is worried about the goalkeeper and center back being aggressive.
2: <laughs> and just, and just uh, worry about United, like, worry about Arsenal. Stop yeah. watching every United game and live tweeting that game. Um, I don't.
0: I don't know if this is bad podcasting or not, guys, but I'm personally not interested in talking about whether or not it was a penalty or not at the very end of the game. <laughs> no, we don't However, have to talk I, about it. I do want to bring up how funny this tweet is from the Google score updates. Um, <laughs> I've, ju- I've just got the match recap pulled up and the, the live match commentary. 90 minutes plus seven. Controversy. No penalty is the decision. Wow. Onana oh, is very lucky. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, where's the where's the lie though?
0: Controversy. That's I, I'm gonna just start tweeting that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they they yeah, came I mean, back.
1: It's like a I mean that was a stone cold penalty right? Like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah cool. Tim, Tim Howard too. Tim Howard was also not wrong, and that goalkeepers do get away with that more than they should in situations where they shouldn't uh but yeah that's uh that should be a penalty
2: i mean all the commentators just looked at that and they were right away they're like if that's not a penalty they're like i don't know what it is and i was like yeah like you, you the ball was gone and you came and popped him in the face it, it it's as queer as can be it took five minutes for the primary to apologize it wasn't even like Again, it wasn't even like the scenarios last year where it took a month <laughs> uh,
0: it, it's another wake-up call um, I mean, United's got to be on their P's and Q's now because they know people are going to be looking for it. So, yeah, but Anana that, and that,
2: needs
1: to needs to be wary of that.
2: That kind of goes to the. Uh, it kind of goes to like how the game was playing out in the second half. Of well, did we did we put our players in the best position to win? Because uh, Tenong made you know, well, all the people on Twitter have always been like, oh, they need more control and. And they need to find this midfielder um to settle things down. And that's that's you know, that's the key to a Ten Hag side and everything. Is last year when United were 1-0 up, two, one up, or whatever, in the second half of games when teams would come and attack you more, like they became a lot more counter attack And Ten Hog would be like, Yeah, no, we're gonna counterattack on you. And and that's how and he spoke about it. Like, we need to go, we need to find that second goal. We need to find that third goal. Like that that month of January, like when Rashford ran up his his goal tally. a lot of them were late goals when united were already two one up two nil up or something um when uh when palistri was playing well etc like garnacho scored in, in that right like a lot of it was they brought on fred who like added to the chaos and they were very good going forward and that se- and he Ten like sort of made comments about it over the summer like yeah we're, that's what we're going to continue to try to do like tactically like we're not doing that except you've now lost fred and you're bringing on christian erickson who like is kind of a slower control guy but also not a defensive guy at all so you like if you get the ball back christian erickson's gonna try to slow it down and, and give you some control but it's harder to get the ball back because he's such a defensively huge downgrade to fred and right. the rest of your team especially when you bring on those subs like Sancho and Polistri like those are guys that are looking to go and and then it speaks to like at the end of the game you bring on McTominay in place of Rashford which is the old Fergie thing of like well that's one fewer guy that we're worried about running back the other way and that allowed Wolves to throw more bodies forward because you're just pinning yourself you're just pinning yourself deeper and it was it it's it's sort of like the, the way that this squad is built continues to not make a whole lot of sense.
1: I would say though, I think the Erickson and Sancho substitutions were positive in the way that they did sort of slow things down. Um, I thought
2: that, I thought the I, Sancho and I think it, I think it, I think it stopped three subs made sense.
1: I think it stopped working after the goal, <laughs> um, particularly Erickson, I do think Sancho was the right player to add into the mix. Uh, Palustri, I I feel like I barely remember him getting more than a couple moments on the ball, but for the last 10 minutes and then seven minutes of stoppage time, I mean, getting on the ball and going forward wasn't really the objective.
2: Sancho always made sense to come into the game because it was clear Garnacho didn't have it. And Garnacho, part of that was because I'm constantly trying to cut inside. I'm not going to go and take take it down the, the touchline. I'm constantly trying to cut inside against a narrow team whose midfielders are also back and waiting for me to cut inside. And that would work if we have a fullback that overlaps. And Luke Shaw is a tremendous overlapping fullback, but it was very clear. It was, nope, you're going to park yourself in midfield next to Casemiro. You're not overlapping. So Garnacho was on an island on that left side, and it was like, you can't handle this. It made sense to get Jaden Sancho on. And that would also help with the ball progression and getting the ball into the box. And and it did. Like I'm I pretty mean, sure when, nobody
1: when Garnacho goes forward, he's he's like it takes him a while to be like, okay, fine, who's with me? Uh it's like because he just goes. I mean, there there were some times where he dribbled into like two or three people, uh, and you know, obviously lost the ball in those situations. Whereas Jaden Sancho, I feel like as soon as he starts running with the ball, he's like, Okay, who's with me?
2: Right. And I believe Sancho led the team in like getting the ball into the box, and he only played, however, however long. Um, I can see the argument for Christian Eriksen over Mason Mount. Mason Mount wasn't doing anything on the ball, but you lose something defensively, and like Mason Mount was pushed high. Are you are you dropping Eriksen deeper again? Like defensively, Eriksen is ju- he's got no legs either. Um, I I I said puistry should come on simply because again like Garnacho Anthony coming inside and wolves were sitting in the uh, inside waiting for you to come inside and the fullbacks were not overlapping so i was like just get on because he'll hold width on the outside like he'll actually stay wide and that will give you some other dimension at one point in the first half um lee dixon was just like i don't understand why united have yet to try going outside and like and then trying to get the ball into the middle they're like, there's so much space on the outside, and all they're trying to do is just go up the middle, and wolves are just packing the middle and sitting there, and and it's not working. So, so that's why I figured get Polistri on. But again, like is not gonna be known for his is defending. So, like when you're holding on to a game, given those players, the best the best defense is probably score a second goal. And in which case, when you win the ball back you need to be able to launch those players forward. You've got Polistri, Sancho, Rashford. Let them run. But you got to win the ball back and you got to get it out to them. And it, it like Christian Erickson doesn't seem to be the guy to do that late in the game. Um, not to mention like a couple, like it, it, there just seem to be players who like want to get it forward and want to counterattack and run. And then players where it's like, that doesn't suit them. So why, but but you sign them anyway. And like, there's, there's players here where it's like it's playing with the ball at their feet. Like they're not going to retain possession very well. And there's a lot of mismatched parts on this team.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how having a, a number nine who is simply available uh, could.
2: But also a, a up number nine older, who thrives like... on the counterattack. Like he's right. a counterattacking number nine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems like Anthony. The other Marcial parts is of his game the are not developed back. yet. Yeah, Anthony Martial is going to be the one who comes back first. It seems like uh, I, I, I mean, they said several weeks for Rasmus Hoyland. Although the Cincinnati Bengals said several weeks for Joe Burrow, and he's already sprinting again. So who knows? Um, hey, Chelsea, I don't, want to loan us I don't...
0: To a central midfielder?
1: <laughs> they only have like three now.
2: <laughs> I don't know how quickly. Like last year I would have said Marcial walks back into the side as soon as he's fit. I don't know how true that is this year.
1: I, I don't, I don't think he trusts Anthony. I don't think Eric Tanau trusts Anthony Marcial.
2: I think he trusts Anthony Marcial. I just don't think that Anthony Marcial exists. And like, I don't think yeah. Anthony Marcial trusts Anthony Marcial and it's just yeah. a different player. Like I, if, if he, that, when he came back at the end of last season, he just lacked any sort of burst that he used to have and if he doesn't have that, he's useless to you if he does have if he does have that and he's if he just looks like the Marcial that played against Liverpool last year in September in August like that's a huge asset and yeah that Marcial would walk back into the team but if he doesn't have that like I I feel like you're just going to stick with. Ra- I I also th- Ten Hag sees Rashford as more of a striker than I think any fan does, and part of that I think is the defensive stuff because he doesn't do anything. He doesn't work hard defensively, and it's also like don't waste his energy making him do defensive work. Like let him do the striker's job, which is the simplest job in the in the in the defense and out of possession. That. I think he'd ride with like Sancho or Garnacho.
1: Yeah. I do think Sancho should start ahead of Garnacho. I'm, He's going to st-
2: start against Spurs. There's no doubt about that.
1: Oh, Jaden Sancho? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, I'm still stuck in this thinking of that Garnacho is not ready to be a starter yet. And also, I think Jaden Sancho has looked really sharp, which after a performance like we saw yesterday, I think that matters a lot early in the season. Um, because it does the con- a, a lot of it with with uh, uh, like anthony it was the case i mean i think some of it is also anthony's decision making which is still like confusing at times um but but
2: that goes back into it like you yeah, you're, like you're not him- going to be able to do certain <laughs> things like when you when you press high and win the ball back up and and the ball comes out to anthony like anthony makes bad decisions constantly he's been he's been playing under ten Hag for how many years like that's not something that eric ten hog is going to coach out of it that's just who he is and we spent a ton of money on that and that's going to make it not flow very well
1: yeah but it, i mean when it's him and it's also bruno fernandez you know is like having the odd bad touch mason mount is having the bad touch casemiro can't do anything i mean th- that's what results in the performance that we saw yesterday hopefully you know, some of that comes along, but adding somebody like Jaden Sancho, who looks like he's on it from the start this season, um, I, I think that that would go a long way, as opposed to having another winger who would just run forward. Yeah, when the, concern... the newly minted EA
0: Sports FC 24 comes out. I'm pretty sure Anthony's going to have one star weak foot. Like, I don't even <laughs> think
2: they could justify giving him a two. Like, the concern is is that it's not that Alejandro Garnacho doesn't look ready to start because it's the concern is that he looks ineffective every time he does start. Right. And, and, and like that like, is not ready to start.
1: That is exacerbated by the rest of the team. Not looking ready. to start. Yeah.
2: But like not ready to start is like, yeah, you have games where you're good and you have games where you're not good. And that's to be expected of an 18, 19 year old. But if you're only playing well, when you come off the bench and you are never playing well, when you start a game, that's a bigger problem than okay, like, yeah, like one out of every five games that you start, you're amazing. Um, and two of them, or you know, one out of every four, two of them, you're just whatever. And one out of four, you're bad. Uh, but then, like, there's there's questions of like at 31 years old, could Casemiro be the lone holding midfielder in the Premier League? And you, you, you talk about Mason Mount and Bruno Fernandes making these struggles like Bruno Fernandes is number 10 and we're just not playing him in that way. And Bruno mm-hmm. Fernandes has a one shot yesterday. He made the pass that set up the goal. He made the pass to Juan Basaka and like found his way to have an impact, but like he could have such a, we've seen him have such a bigger impact when he's closer to goal. Mason Mount is definitely not uh, like a Mason Mount is a number eight in terms of when you play a four, three, three, he's the more advanced one. He's like an eight and a half, 10. And that's also like, that's also Bruno. So like by playing the, like who's supporting Casemiro, if, especially if Casemiro can't be the lone guy, like you kind of just have two guys that are, that play the same position now in there. And none of these three are players who are going to like, or have ever been known for keeping control of the ball. And keeping their possession and playing it safe and everything, and then you work it wide to Anthony, who wants to cut inside. Rashford wants to cut inside. Garnacho wants to cut inside. Like, but now you don't have overlapping fullbacks. Like, wh- I, it's just a lot of things that when you say when you look at this is what Eric Ten Hag wants to do, you go, okay, yeah, that makes complete sense. But then when you go, these are the players that he's going to try to do it with. You're like, why? Why are you trying that with these players?
0: Right now, it's like watching a Looney Tunes cartoon where (laughs) like water's coming in through a hole and you plug the hole and then water comes out from another spot. So then you unplug from that hole to plug up that hole. But then water's coming back through that hole again.
1: Got to buy more plugs. Or just that dude well, on TikTok who rakes the leaves off of the drain.
2: Here's yeah. the problem. Here's the problem with
0: that.
2: We, any more plugs? Nobody's
0: So Maguire. Because,
2: <laughs> because uh, they were like, oh, we're going to sell Dean Henderson easily. And then Nottingham Forest was like, actually, we don't want him. Um, and Harry Maguire doesn't want to leave. And...
0: I definitely tweeted out yesterday West Ham Scott McTominay is subbed into the match. So I'm gonna,
1: we, I'm gonna probably we, pay for West, that one. West
2: Ham made one inquiry. Um, didn't even negotiate on it. They immediately turned around and went, All right, we'll pay Southampton, we'll pay you for James Ward Prowse and immediately went to uh I think Nottingham Forest and we're like, How about that midfielder? Like that was uh, I think it was Casey who tweeted, like, this is the queerest example of not even worth it. Our valuations are so different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like this player is not worth the money that you are asking for. So we're just going to get somebody else.
1: Yeah. Not saying yes to the 30 million for McTominay. I, I, I think the McGuire deal is obviously more complicated because of the wages he is on. Um,
2: well, he's come out and said he never had an agreement with them.
1: Right. And he now probably... That's,
2: that's the way... Sorry, he didn't say that. That is the latest report. So all the re- previous reports were um like personal terms have been have been uh approved. Maguire's keen on the move, Maguire or Maguire's willing to make the move. It's about new uh it's about working out a price. Then they worked out the price, they established 30 million, and it was just okay. Now it's just about the exit, the exit strategy. Um is he going to get the money that he's, oh, you know, the difference. Well, he, yeah. The he was, wages. he was always
1: going to have to get paid off in, to some degree. Uh, yeah. Which is I, a
2: very normal thing, which is yes, very normal in this, yes. in this business. Like even Andreas Pereira got a payoff. Um, what happens when
0: you have distressed assets?
2: Yeah. Surprise. So, so it was all about working that out. And then this morning it was like West Ham are moving on. And, and now the reports that came out of a few hours ago have said, McGuire never had personal terms. He doesn't want to move. And okay, like you fancy yourself, and you want to. Ba- he wants to play for this club. It's it's very interesting how he's treated a player who won't, who wants to, who backs himself, and has, and he's got a lot to lose because he is still an England first choice player. And Gareth Southgate has said, if you're not playing, I not going to keep picking you. So he's got a lot to lose, and he, but he wants to play for this club and he backs himself to fight for his place and fans are going to hate him, but they would beg Edinson Cavani who could not wait to get out of here to come back and play.
0: Play for the badge, and Edinson Cavani.
2: Yeah, Like, Edinson Cavani stubbed his toe and was like, I can't play for three weeks. He, he found every excuse to not play and could not wait to get out of here. And fans are like, oh, we should have more Cavani's. And now and they're mad at a player who backs himself to get back into this team with a lot to lose. And I will tell you this is you watch that game yesterday and you watch all three center backs. And if I were Harry McGuire, I'd be like, Yeah, I I back the fact that, like I would say I watched that game and I think I would get a chance to play.
0: Because there was a lot of side to side passing on the back line yesterday.
2: I didn't think any of those center backs covered themselves in glory. However, what I will say is, if United are going to play like that, Harry Maguire will get trounced. If you if you <laughs> let players run that freely the way that they did against against Varane and Martinez and Lindelof, Harry Maguire does not stand a chance. But I, I, if you in tweeted, Harry Maguire's shoes, uh... I understand why he's like, I'll get a chance.
1: Honestly, I think they should have uh, put him up at striker. Uh, I, I was thinking that at one point in the second half, just have a big lad to hoof it too. If we're going to be playing this disjointed,
2: but you already have Fellaini.
0: West Ham Scott McTominay, Colin, come on. We already have what?
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you want to talk about what Scott McTominay does well, the way people describe him, like, oh, <laughs> use yeah, him like like get him in the box, make him. No, 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 no. They don't say use Play him like the Fellaini. Badge. They just describe Fellaini. They say, <laughs> oh, he's better, closer to the box, and making runs in, and he can shoot. And it's like, and and when you need a goal, like, go, and and, and he'll be a threat in the box. It's like, you're describing Fellaini. Yeah. Only Fellaini scored a lot more goals.
1: <laughs> just rub it in David Moyes' face that he's not going to have these two players to cross it to and just spam spam cross it to him. You know, if you really need oh, a goal,
2: I mean, West Ham, <laughs> West Ham, if they signed McTominay and had they signed McTominay and McGuire, they would have just been screwing whoever their next manager is. Like, McTominay <laughs> makes sense. I don't think McGuire made a lot of sense for David Moyes, but like McTominay makes sense for David Moyes, but like when but with you get James fired, Ward,
1: Prowse <laughs> sending in corners to Thomas. Suche, hi, we've been Harry, saying that McGuire for years. I'm Scott sorry. McTominay. we've been.
2: I'm sorry. We said that when. When we signed Bruno, we were like, oh, we got somebody that takes that piece is gonna be awesome. Then when we signed Alex Tellez, same thing. When we signed Christian Eriksen, same thing. There's more to like Yeah, it, but this is
1: a- West Ham who are actually gonna just do that.
2: <laughs> but it's but like look at look at England.
1: Like commit to the bit.
2: England don't just put it in the box and like Harry McGuire gets up there and and wins a battle and gets a, like every one of Maguire's goals, he's wide open because they run all these fancy plays that results in McGuire being wide open, ball goes right to him. If if you're not doing that, he's not that he's not that useful, but like McTominay makes sense for David Moyes, but also not for the survival of West Ham. Yeah.
1: Well, we don't care about that. Do we, um, right. go, we, uh,
2: uh,
1: or I have to wrap this up. um,
2: falsely pre- preview for Tottenham play
0: better. Man, I,
1: okay, I don't know if I like if I'll forget to like edit this part out where I freaked out because I couldn't see you guys. I have not been able to see Polly or Nathan for the last like half hour, and it's actually driving me crazy. It's like yeah, I didn't man. I didn't realize how important that part of the, the Zoom that was. motherfucker
0: doesn't. He's not real.
1: <laughs> that mother <laughs> those motherfuckers are not real.
2: <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so, uh, but I, uh, I, I do have to go and uh, uh,
2: what's your confidence makes... level at for this, for Tottenham game?
1: Um, I mean, it's lower than it was before wolves. Um, and I, I haven't even seen the Tottenham, uh, draw with Brentford. I've read in, uh, articles that Tottenham look a lot more, uh, enterprising and forward thinking, than they have for the past three years, which is not surprising because they literally hired, um, you know, some of the two of the most rigid, defensive minded <laughs> managers, right. like probably the two managers who come to mind when you think of that style of football. So, right um, by
2: getting up and going to work in the morning, they're like, oh, yes. they're starting their day <laughs> brightly.
1: <laughs> right. Oh, uh, let's not forget Nuno in there, too. I mean, yes, yeah. Nuno, <laughs> Nuno, Espirito Santo was sandwiched in between them. So, um, yeah, uh, I would say my confidence level is maybe 75%. I would hope that if things go awry against Tottenham, uh, Eric Tenog has the same sense of pragmatism that he did at the start of last season when things weren't quite working out. But uh, he may be you know, a little more sticking to his guns this time around. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I hope you know things work out the way that they're meant to. I'm just not sure what that complete picture looks like after the first match.
0: I'd say I'm at like a 5 out of 10 right now. I What my hope is, is if things go awry, that what going awry is, is a a draw.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Colin and I spoke about this like two weeks ago where we were like, there's no better time to play Spurs away than (laughs) second game of the season. And you know what? Since then, I've done a complete 180 on that. And I'm like, there's no worse time to play Spurs than this particular week right now because I think – Kane leaving on Friday was like a little quick than the way match. Uh, Obviously. I don't think a draw against Brentford was like a disaster, but they've got a lot of fans, very skeptical about what's going to happen this season. And I think they like this manager. Like, I think this is their uh, Liverpool at home game that we had last year where it was like, this is our, this was our, our Alamo or water or stand. And like, that's, going to be this game is they're coming home. They've had a week to process the cane thing. They want to put on a show for these fans and be like, we're going to be okay this year. And like, you'll see a very organized team with a lot of fight in them. And that could be a big problem for us.
1: Subtracted. I, I do I I think, I think Tottenham win their next three games either way. Cause they play Bournemouth, Burnley and Sheffield United who are three teams that could be relegated.
2: So you go four in a row. That's, that's what United do last year.
1: Yeah all right well that's that's uh been this episode of the fergie fledglings um i did promise a, a tottenham crossover episode and i have yet to work out the details for that so i apologize uh that may end up being next week um if not it'll probably just be like a 30 minute discussion between me and Dustin sometime before the game but uh yeah hopefully we'll get that on the feed at some point and uh thanks for listening we'll see you next time